I'm Jamalyn Steffen, and this is Want to Want It, episode number 13, The Truth About Self-Care. Welcome to Want to Want It, a podcast for women of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who are ready to ignite not only their sexual desire, but all of their desires to create a more fulfilling life and marriage. I'm Jamalyn Steffen. I'm a certified life coach, a wife, and a mother of seven children. I'm excited to share my personal journey to desire with you and teach you how to desire more as well. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's podcast, where we are going to be talking about self-care. Now, self-care is, I feel like, a big buzzword. It is highly promoted in the world. It is definitely misunderstood, I think. And I'm not convinced that we are generally good at self-care. Some people certainly have it figured out, but I think the majority of women I know still struggle with how to make self-care a part of who they are and how they show up in the world. And it's possible it's the same for men. So today I want to talk about what I think true self-care is, what that looks like, and how to practice it. I think our level of self-care greatly influences our ability to desire, so I'm going to touch on that as well at the end. I believe that now more than ever, more and more women believe that self-care is important. I think we're getting past this idea that it is somehow a superior way of being to put yourself last in your life. But I think because we misunderstand what self-care really is, we end up feeling defeated by the entire process. First of all, we live in a culture, especially here in North America, where we believe it is good to be busy. And we do a really good job of making ourselves very busy, leaving many of us with the belief that we really don't have time for self-care. Like, it's a good idea, and one day I'll get to it, but not until my kids are in school or out of the house or I retire or after some future distant event takes place. So time seems to be a real hindrance to a woman's ability to even consider self-care. And as I talk about women in this, I hope if there's any men out there listening that this obviously applies to everybody. Another problem people face when it comes to self-care, I think, is not knowing what they would even do for self-care. Maybe they see other people going for a pedicure or a massage or a shopping trip, but that doesn't actually appeal to them. Or they don't feel like they have the finances to fund that kind of self-care. So they're left feeling like self-care is kind of out of reach or maybe something they don't really care about because they don't find those types of activities very fulfilling. But the biggest problem I see when it comes to self-care for those who are doing the things like going to the spa or shopping or taking a bubble bath or reading a book, which can feel great in the moment, is that it doesn't seem to have any lasting effect on their overall happiness or sense of well-being. Now, I think the reason for this is because true, life-changing self-care has nothing to do with what you do for yourself and everything to do with what you think about yourself. And I want to say that again so you can really process it. True self-care is what you think about yourself, not what you do for yourself. For example, Who cares if you take yourself out for lunch with your girlfriends if the entire time you're in your head telling yourself how fat you are, how lazy you've been, how you need to order the smallest, healthiest thing on the menu? That lunch isn't going to fill your cup, as they would say, like it could if you had more love for your body no matter what. A massage doesn't feel good when you believe you're a selfish person. 
sitting and reading a book in the afternoon is not going to fill you up when you think you're lazy. We've talked about the model before and how our thoughts create our feelings and our feelings are going to drive our actions. Our actions don't change our thoughts about us and therefore do not create good feelings in our bodies. Meaning actions don't create feelings. So when we do the act of self-care, thinking that it's going to make us feel good about ourselves, we've got it wrong. We've got the model out of order. Actions don't create feelings. Our thoughts do. So we first need to have good thoughts about ourselves so that we can feel self-love and self-acceptance. Then from those feelings, we will do the self-care things. Not because we're trying to make ourselves feel good about us, but because it will be the natural thing to do. When you love your body, you want to take care of it. When you believe you are worthy and lovable, you want to take time pursuing your desires or passions or curiosity. It's just the natural thing you want to do. The doing of self-care springs naturally from self-care type thinking. So first and foremost, we have to work on a relationship with ourselves. Do you love yourself? When you think about you, do you feel love? It doesn't have to be this constant feeling. We're human after all, but is it consistent? If you're a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you have probably been taught about Christ-like love or charity or unconditional love. Our challenge as mortals is to learn how to love others like Christ does. This takes a lot of work at times because there are certain people who it can feel like are really difficult to love. And guess what? We ourselves are often on our own list. As I have been doing this work over the last few years of learning to love myself more, I have realized that I was actually withholding love from myself on purpose. I was almost like the mother who didn't want to show too much love to her children for fear that they would stop trying to be better. So it was kind of this, yes, this is a good start, but you can do better. So I was like this little child, always trying to prove to my mother that I was worthy of her love. And at the same time, I was the mother who kept saying, not quite, there's more you can do, keep going. Now, I am a recovering perfectionist. Sometimes when I have a particularly discouraging day, I wonder how far along that path I really am, but at least I'm aware of it, and that is the first step. But as a perfectionist, I really expected perfection from myself, and anything less than that was unworthy of genuine love. From me or from others. I couldn't accept my humanness, my flaws and imperfections at all. And so by denying what was real about me, I never really could love me. I was only willing to love some version of me that didn't and never would exist. I came to realize that if I wanted to truly learn to love myself, I was going to have to take myself as I was, flaws and all. Every blemish I loathed, every personality trait I hated, every failure I hid had to be embraced and accepted. I remember hearing one man describe Christ's love this way. He loves you exactly as you are but he doesn't want you to stay as you are. I felt like I could start by loving myself exactly as I was right now, knowing that I wanted to progress, so I probably wouldn't be this exact version of me forever. But even if I was, I was still worthy of love. Every version of me is lovable and worthy of love. So there's often a lot of talk that is thrown around about unconditional love. And I coached a woman the other day who said, unconditional love 
doesn't exist and is completely impossible. Now, as a follower of Jesus Christ and someone who believes in God, I do believe that they do know how to love perfectly. But she may be right. Perhaps as humans, we lack the ability to really love unconditionally or perfectly. But here is my definition of unconditional love and the ideal that I am willing to fall short of as I strive to achieve it, because it gets me loving better than I currently do. So my definition of unconditional love is accepting someone as they are and loving them anyways. It's saying this is who they really are right now. Maybe in the future they'll be different, maybe not, but this is who they are right now and I can love them as they are. So can we love people exactly as they are right now? Now that doesn't mean that I think you should stay in an abusive relationship just because that's who they are. Remember, loving others doesn't mean we stop loving ourselves and taking care of ourselves. But it could look like staying away from them and being willing to learn how to forgive them. Because forgiveness is one of the most loving things we can do, especially for ourselves. When God says, love thy neighbor as thyself, he's teaching us two great truths. Number one, you are commanded to love yourself. Now, you can't make yourself love yourself because someone tells you to. But you can do the work to make it a reality. And the second truth we learn in the commandment to love thy neighbor as thyself is that you can only love others to the capacity you can love yourself. Love thy neighbor as or to the degree that you love yourself. Now, my ability to love others as they are, or unconditionally, you could say, has come as I have learned to love myself that way. I'm certainly not perfect at it, but each step I take in that direction increases my capacity to love like Jesus does. I used to think I loved people so well, so much better than I loved myself, which may have been true, but inevitably I would run into a wall because I really couldn't love anyone that much better than I loved myself. I found that I had the same judgments about them as I had about myself, and maybe they were a little more watered down, maybe it was a little less harsh of a version, but the judgments were there. The lack of complete acceptance was there. If you want to really learn how to love others better, Learn to love yourself first. The other unexpected side effect that came from learning to love myself more was my ability to accept the love others had for me. If I didn't believe I was worthy of my love, why in the world would I believe I was worthy of anyone else's love? So I spent a lot of years pushing others' love away from me. I told myself they didn't really love me because how could they love someone so unlovable? And it was just the saddest story that I ever told. But as I learned to love myself and accept myself more, my ability to accept love from others as genuine has increased also. Now, if you're working on learning how to really accept yourself and love you as you are, and I know this is really a lifelong process, you don't have to be perfect at it to start practicing some self-care. You can just start today, even if you feel like you're a hot mess. So I want to give you a few ideas of ways you can start a new true self-care routine, a routine that reminds you that you are learning to love and accept yourself today as you are. First, speak kindly to yourself. So often we say words to ourselves we would never say out loud to someone else. When I started to do my work on this, I remember deciding that I was just not allowed to say mean things to myself. So just like in my home, there are certain words my kids are not allowed to call each other, I no longer was allowed to call myself certain names. And it's actually kind of humorous when I think about it because one of the words I really get after my kids about is the word ugly. They are not allowed to call anybody ugly. 
but I called myself ugly all the time. So it took some discipline for me to start recognizing the unkind ways I was speaking to myself and then even more discipline to remind myself, hey, you don't talk that way to you anymore. But over time, my respect for myself has grown so much. I don't have to believe I'm beautiful and flawless and perfect. Those thoughts aren't my thoughts. But I do like believing that I can love myself and I can show that love by speaking kindly to myself. Along with speaking kindly to yourself, I think a huge aspect of self-care is self-compassion. Everybody wants compassion. We all want someone to say, wow, what you did was really hard. Or you're going through a really hard time right now, so of course you're struggling. We all want to be asked, how can I help you? What can I do for you? When we do that for other people, it is a way we care for them. So why not use those same techniques on ourselves? When you are having a hard day, tell yourself what you would tell your best friend, the one you know who usually shows up so much better than she did today. Have compassion for what's real about your life. If you have a load of little kids at home, your capacity to do the things your friends without kids at home are doing is way lower. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. That's what's real for you. If you have trouble sleeping at night or you have chronic pain, you're not going to be able to do the same thing as other people. Be compassionate and kind to yourself about that. Look at your life and be honest with yourself about what is real for you. Look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, what can I do for you? How can I help you right now? And then do what you request. Be the compassionate person you feel you need in that moment. Another great act of self-care is to celebrate your successes. If you haven't listened, I did an episode, I think it was episode number six on celebration. And you can go listen to it because it talks more about this in a little more detail. But I want you to know that your brain is already really good at pointing out to you all the ways you are currently failing. So you actually don't need to focus on the ways that you're failing. If you want to start a really good self-care practice, write down three wins you have every day. Three things worth celebrating. And don't be mean to yourself and decide that nothing's worth celebrating unless it's literally out of sight amazing. Here's the thing. You beat yourself up over the most minuscule nonsense. So why not start celebrating some of the minuscule wins? Expressing gratitude to yourself is another great self-care practice. Again, if you're really bold, look at yourself in the mirror and thank yourself for something you did that day. Thank you for going on that run. Thank you for making dinner. Thank you for making that phone call. But even if you don't look in the mirror, thank yourself for all you do and all you are. Every once in a while, I'll just high five myself when I get something done. Show gratitude to yourself. I am so thankful that I gathered my kids for scriptures when I really didn't want to. I'm so thankful for the journal I kept. I'm so thankful for me for making that toilet bowl clean or for speaking kindly when I was upset or for getting out of bed instead of hitting snooze again. And show gratitude for your body. Thank you so much, body, for getting me up those stairs or for the ability to see that sunset or for the miracle of healing that you perform every time I get a cut or a bruise. President Russell M. Nelson says that showing gratitude for our privileges is a fast-acting and long-lasting spiritual prescription. It is literally healing. What greater self-care could you ask for? Forgive yourself when you make a mistake. This is so key to self-care. You are human. 
you are going to make many, 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 many mistakes throughout your life. I think some of us understand the value of repenting and seeking forgiveness from God, and we may be propelled by the desire to be clean in his sight, and therefore we repent. But how often do those same mistakes we have sought God's forgiveness for, or the forgiveness of others for, plague us still? Why do we feel like it's necessary to continually beat ourselves up for past wrongdoings, some of which we did innocently without knowledge of the wrong we were doing? One of the greatest gifts we are given from our Savior Jesus Christ is the gift of forgiveness. He provided that blessing for us over and over and over again because He loves and cares about us. It is one of the ways He shows His love for us. Can we do the same for ourselves? I understand that it's actually easier to beat yourself up for mistakes than to do the work to forgive. But I promise you can't give yourself a better gift than to forgive yourself and stop holding so many grudges against you. Another way to give yourself self-care is to be your own best friend and show up for yourself like a best friend does. Like I talked about before, this will include speaking kindly to you or showing self-compassion. It will definitely include showing yourself gratitude. What would change for you if you gave yourself the responsibility to be your own best friend? Think about that. Think about how you would come through for yourself if you were attempting to be your own best friend. Like when you arrange to meet your best friend for lunch at 12 p.m., you don't show up at 3. Or if you tell your best friend that you're going to pick up her kids after school for her, you don't decide, actually, I just really don't feel like doing that now. So I guess I just won't go. You wouldn't do that to your friend. You would come through for her. You would show up on time. You'd go get her kids. If you want to give yourself some best friend self-care, start coming through for yourself more often. Don't sleep in when you say you're going to get up. Run that errand you promised to run. Eat what you say you're going to eat. Now, you don't have to be the best friend that's never flexible or understanding. But honestly, 99% of the time, the reason we don't do what we say we're going to do is because we just don't feel like it now. That's a crappy excuse from a best friend. My last, but certainly not the end of possible suggestions, is to take responsibility for your feelings. I know this sounds a little bit strange, but if you stop blaming other people for how you feel or for what you think is unfair in your life, if you stop acting like the victim in the relationships you're in, that is self-care. Because self-care means that you're always keeping your power and you don't hand it over to other people. Making yourself believe you're a victim is unkind because it makes you feel trapped. It makes you feel powerless. When you take responsibility for how you feel, you will feel so empowered to make your life what you want it to be. No one's unkind words or selfish actions have to ruin your day. And in those moments, you know that you get to choose what you want to think and feel and do. Empowering yourself is such great self-care. Now. I'm all for vacations. Genuinely, I love a vacation. And pedicures and massages and nights out. Do all of those things. Just don't deceive yourself that doing those things is going to make you feel loved and cared for. It's always going to be what you think about yourself that will determine that. Real self-care is a skill anyone can learn. But it is a skill. Most of us weren't born being really good at self-care. We have to practice it, especially when it comes to changing our thoughts about ourselves. 
It will be seriously uncomfortable at first, and your brain will tell you it isn't self-care if it's uncomfortable. Do not believe that lie. You are learning a new skill, and that takes time and requires some growing pains. Just keep keeping on. I know that my type of self-care takes discipline and effort. The truth is, going for a ladies' night out sounds a lot easier than learning to accept and love yourself as you are. But that type of self-care won't ever give you the peace and happiness that you are seeking for a long amount of time. As you develop this skill, you may ask yourself, how do I even do this? But a better question to ask is, why do I want to do this? And then answer that question. Why do you want to learn the skill of self-care? As you answer that question and remind yourself of why, it's going to help keep you committed to figuring out how to do it. It will become like a science experiment. You can try on new thoughts about yourself and your worth and your acceptability and see how they feel and if you like them. Eventually, you will find the thoughts about yourself that produce love and acceptance. And from those feelings, it will be easier to know what self-care actions you want to take. You can even start to ask yourself, what can I do today to show love to myself? And if your brain's freaking out right now thinking, I'm going to become the most selfish person, relax. This is just self-care. You're not going to lose total integrity. Now, the answer to that question may be to take a nap, but it might also be to clean out the junk drawer that's been driving you mad or to finally take your kids to that park they've been begging to go to. The answer might be to let go of your anger towards your husband or to take a minute to catch up in your journal. Now, I could ask you to tell me what you think your self-care routine in any area of your life would look like if you were filled with, with acceptance and love for yourself, and I think you'd have a good idea. What does self-care look like for your mental health or for your body or your home or for you as a mother? I think you could make a good list for me. So I have a challenge for those of you who are currently in a sexual relationship. What would self-care look like in your sexual relationship? I want you to seriously consider this. Too often, I am meeting with women who feel like sex is all about their partner and they never have really considered what they want. So again, I ask you, what would self-care look like in your most intimate relationship? If you felt love and acceptance for your current sexual desire, for the shape of your body, for the stage of life you find yourself in, what would you be sure to do for yourself to be sure you are taken care of in your sexual relationship? Perhaps it would be showing more compassion for yourself or asking for what you really want or speaking kinder about your body. Often we teach other people how to treat us by how we treat ourselves. If you want to see a shift in that intimate relationship, start treating yourself as an equal in it. Start treating yourself how you want your partner to treat you. The last thing I want to touch on is desire. One of the greatest benefits that will come as you learn to love yourself and take care of yourself is desire. You will start to tap into what you really want in your life as you take the time to take care of you. You will naturally begin to make space in your schedule for exploring your desires and doing what you desire. You will naturally give yourself energy and focus on what you enjoy. If you want to increase your desire in any area of your life, do the work to love yourself and then the desire will naturally come. I want to end with a quote from President M. Russell Ballard. I remember distinctly where I was when he said this, 
And at the time, he was Elder Ballard. And I remember it having a big impact on my heart. I just didn't know exactly how to do it at the time. I think I have a better idea now. This is what he taught. Water cannot be drawn from an empty well. And if you are not setting aside a little time for what replenishes you, you will have less and less to give others. And that includes less and less to give yourself. It's been so good for me to revisit self-care today and to remind myself and you that real self-care is what you think about yourself, not what you do for yourself. Make a little time every day to work on your thoughts about you and make a little time to do the things that replenish you as President Ballard has reminded us. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week. Thanks for listening today. If you like what you hear on the podcast and you'd like to learn more, feel free to head over to my website, jamelandstephancoaching.com or find me on Instagram or Facebook at jamelandstephancoaching.